You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. This is the Oz Network. It is a radio show on the internet. We are here to talk about a motion picture. A motion picture about Neil Armstrong. A man of few words. A man of an interesting life. Not necessarily exciting. Welcome to the Oz Network. My name is Colin. And my name is Ben. Okay. (laughs) First man, it is out in theaters now. Go see it. <laughs> yes, I think you and I are probably still in the movies watching it right now, aren't we? Have they landed on the moon yet? Is this in real time? <laughs> uh, you saw this, I think, maybe about twenty-four hours or so before I saw it, and mm-hmm. um, I, you you tweeted out, you know, that we're going to be covering an episode and you're not quite sure whether it would be positive or negative, and that kind of had me interested. I'm like, how can they fail? It's a big NASA movie. And then I saw it, and I'm like, I kind of don't know how I feel either. <laughs> uh, I, I, what's the easiest way to say First Man? I mean, I, I'm, like, huge into NASA stuff. I mean, like, so big. I've read so many books, watched every doc. I spent all last night watching Discovery Channel documentaries just on different Apollo missions and everything. Uh, so that stuff's interesting to me. And everybody's kind of aware that Neil Armstrong, not necessarily the most exciting human being ever, but when you have, you know, an Oscar-winning director, uh, and in some cases not an Oscar-winning director, uh, <laughs> doing a Neil Armstrong biopic, and it's the first real big, like, space true story we've seen in over 20 years, I, ex- I think you expect something a little bit more interesting in this. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if it was the approach of the movie, but some of the sequences were thrilling, but they're kind of few and far between, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's sort of one that, like, I saw it with Mallory and we just kind of just both walked out of it and we're just kind of like, hmm, okay, <laughs> what are we meant to what are we meant to think of it? Because, I mean, it's it's I didn't walk out of it absolutely hating it, but at the same time it's kind of like, well, you know, I didn't love it either and it's sort of, I've had a couple of days since I've seen it to kind of think about it and, you know, I think maybe I've appreciated it a little bit more, but... Yeah, it's. I'm maybe not as into all the space stuff as you are, but I mean, you know, I, I very much, at least when I was a kid, really wanted to be an astronaut, so I really kind of studied and read a lot into everything and, you know, obsessed with Apollo 13 and all those sort of things. But yeah, I just, I just don't know. I, I, I was expecting a lot more. Maybe I was going into this thinking this is going to be like another Apollo 13 or something, but I just, I don't know if it's kind of just the style of, how movies are made today when they're kind of going for that gritty realism and kind of the tense quietness that this movie is filled with all of it, basically. I mean, we saw, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, what, a couple of weeks ago, and most of that's no talking. I didn't realise this was a sequel to that, basically. <laughs> just, you know, no talking for the, the whole thing. But, yeah, and, like, I'm not a Ryan Gosling fan, and this kind of has backed up my perception that the guy's bored in every movie he's in and he's got one facial expression and it just doesn't change. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. It's... Well, I mean, the easiest thing to uh, explain to people is what you said. It is not Apollo 13. Uh, it's kind of promoted like it would be about big space missions and I think the major sequences of this movie are all the major space flights he had and those sequences are great but... In between that, you'll have 30 to 45 minutes of just Neil Armstrong's life. And this is where I think the movie kind of fails because you're making a biopic of a man who really wasn't that interesting. 
and I, I think there are interesting things about him. Like when I was a teenager and getting into all the uh, NASA stuff and the the space race and learning all of these astronauts' names, learning all their stories, reading books on so many of these guys. As a teenager, I was like, oh, Neil Armstrong is so boring. You know, uh, Buzz Aldrin seems cool. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of learned to appreciate like the the, the mystique of the um, quiet, reserved Neil Armstrong. Just the fact that he is very calm and collected. And really, that's why he was put in the position he was. And I think there would have been a great opportunity to make a movie that was sort of about Neil Armstrong and, and just who he is as the guy, the only guy who could have done a mission like this because he doesn't let things get to him. He, he, he's fearless in a way that you don't expect to see in a movie. Usually if you have a fearless character, you're expected to be like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger type will just jump into any fight. He's different. It's just that things don't affect him. You know, he'll almost die. And I'll be like, all right, that was a close call. What are we doing next? That could have been interesting, but like they throw in all the stuff. And it's almost like they tried to do a story about a man who has to deal with the loss of people around him. But you're doing a movie where you see a man who doesn't respond to any of this. So why go in that direction? That's what was confusing to me. Yeah, and I've honestly been surprised that it's taken them this long to, I guess, do a movie on him. And, I mean, I think what's well, probably down to the fact that he wasn't a real recluse, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. He didn't really want – didn't do many interviews. I think I was reading about the fact that the book this is based on, it took, you know, a lot of convincing for somebody to even write an official biography on him. So I guess maybe it took so long because, you know, he passed away a few years ago, so it made it a little bit easy. But, I mean, I, I guess kind of seeing this film and – it might might have been more interesting to kind of just do it similar to what they did with Apollo 13 and focus on, you know, all three of the people yeah. on Apollo 11 just rather than Neil Armstrong because, yeah, like, you're right. Like, I mean, the whole, I guess, point of this movie kind of just seemed to be how he dealt with loss, as you said. And, I mean, it was an interesting bookends of the film, how they do it and kind of the relationship with his wife. But even then, it's like, I don't know. It's like, like they never actually get felt- there. They're saying this is what the movie's about, but they don't get anywhere with it. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's like, again, comparing it to Apollo 13, like, I mean, you had great performances there from all three of the main actors and even sort of the relationship between Tom Hanks, you know, Jim Lovell and his wife in that. Like, you, I feel that was more complete. You mm-hmm. felt more of something with that. And, like, and this, that was basically kind of centred around the mission, not the man, whereas this is centred around the man, not the mission. Mm-hmm. And it kind of didn't work as well as it should in a movie where it's purely about one man, really, as opposed to the other ones. I mean, did Michael Collins even say anything in this movie? That's where oh. you saw him for, like, two seconds in the capsule during the whole moon landing sequence. I mean, the man's forgotten throughout history. I felt terrible throughout him in this movie as well. <laughs> Not just him. I mean, I, there's the other problem with this, and I think as Jamie and I are leaving it, I, she doesn't really know anything about the, the history. And I was explaining to her, okay, remember this one guy in this one scene? I'm like, that was this astronaut and he had this big story and this guy was she couldn't even remember who i was talking about the movie because how do you describe it this is a movie that decided so heavily to make it just about one man that every other character has zero significance i mean buzz aldrin has arguably more than michael collins to do in this movie but it wasn't until they got close to the mission when i realized like Corey stole a guy from house of cards he was playing buzz aldrin because he's introduced in the background they don't never introduce him by name He's just a complete jerk, like insensitive. It's weird that they spent half of this movie barely showing the Buzz Aldrin character and almost making him a negative character. And then in the second half of the movie, 
they he's there, but he seems to be a completely different guy. And then other uh, characters they have, like um, you get major actor like Jason Clark, you know, who was in Zero Dark Thirty and Planet of the Apes and everything. Great Australian actor. Yeah, a gr- amazing Australian actor. And that was the other thing I told Jamie. I'm like, I'm frustrated. They got like these major actors in this movie to play major astronauts like Ed White. I don't want to spoil too much, but well, if people are familiar with Apollo one and the, the tragedy of Apollo one, you know, he was involved in that. That's a huge story to tell and a huge character. They put him in this movie to make him, I guess the friend of Neil Armstrong. So you could kind of see how he would deal with, you know, the loss of people, but like, that's dramatized too because I tried so hard to find any information on whether Neil Armstrong was apparently close friends with Ed White and you can't find anything. So like this is a movie that's aware they had to jazz up the story and add some drama and add some relationships in there. So if you're going to go to those links to get an actor like Jason Clark and to make Ed White the, in this case, dramatized best friend of Neil Armstrong, go somewhere with it. But like, I don't think you even realize this was supposed to be Ed White until it gets close to the Apollo 1 fire. I mean, are they not setting this up to be the Apollo cinematic universe? Yeah. So we're going to have second man followed by third man. All sort of stuff. But, you know, I mean, I completely agree, though, and it's just I, I maybe didn't know a whole lot about Neil Armstrong sort of before and everything along those lines and kind of you mentioning about the friendships with Ed White and sort of stuff, but even a lot of the stuff around his wife and kind of, you know, like his family situation and sort of what happens, what, about eight years before he goes to the moon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was there's one significant bit, which obviously we won't spoil, sort of how it ends and kind of how it's related to that very first bit at the beginning. And this is something that I'm thinking, like, look, if this, is this true? Like, I mean, surely this is something that if it's true, this would be very much documented in history. And kind of in trying to do research, it was sort of alluded to that it's never been confirmed, it's never been yeah. discussed. So obviously it's sort of been sort of added on. And, and we know it's a movie. Like, things like this always have to kind of be done. Nothing really is ever on a true story done purely how it is. They've got to add a few things here and there to make it entertaining. But that's the word, entertaining, was stuff added to make it entertaining. (laughs) Like, there were entertaining parts of this movie, and I think for the most part people are watching this movie to see him land on the moon and kind of see that, and there's no denying that that's absolutely brilliant, that whole sequence at the end. But it's just so much in the lead-up to it. It's like, are we, you know, at least with Apollo 13, like kind of, we know in history they came back to Earth, but it's still tense watching everything that's happening while we're watching that movie and there's exciting things on all of his missions but i think one of my other complaints is making this movie about the man they also this uh, nobody who uh (laughs) doesn't follow like uh nasa history is going to get this but they downplay even more characters where they could have made the missions more exciting because it's like the entire movie is done where there's characters in the background but nobody has any significance you know buzz aldrin doesn't do anything on their mission michael collins doesn't do anything when they're in uh gemini 8 and uh they they go into this role like if you know the history basically they started spinning out of control re-entering the atmosphere and they had no idea what was going on and they tried to correct it and made it worse and it would have been the greatest disaster in nasa history at that point and they make it where Neil Armstrong is the hero of that situation. The other astronaut who's sitting with him is Dave Scott, who would later go to the moon. I think it was on Apollo 14 or 15. Uh, he was the commander of that mission. And again, I had to find some information because this isn't going to spoil much about the movie. But they basically have it where the other guy sitting next to him, who's again, never introduced by name, even though he's a famous astronaut, was the commander in real life. And 
based on all accounts you could find, it would have been his call for them to fix this situation and save their lives. And they have him pass out in the movie. <laughs> it's, it's almost like yeah. my complaint that they, I have about you know Titanic and so many other movies where the only way you can make somebody a hero is by making everybody else around them a complete idiot. And I don't, I don't think there's one character in this movie who really steps up and has an idea or does anything. It's just it's the Neil Armstrong show. And as somebody who, as a teenager, kind of got annoyed that like Neil Armstrong got all the credit, how come nobody talks about Buzz Aldrin, Michael Collins, or even the other you know, Apollo missions? It almost brought me back to that. And this is from somebody who went into this movie bragging to everybody else who's like, well, Neil Armstrong was kind of a boring guy. I'm like, no, but it was the fact that he was boring that made him so great. Like, so I became a Neil Armstrong fan. This movie almost had the opposite effect on me where I'm like, you're trying so hard to dramatize these events that you're just making everybody else like so dumb. And can I just ask a question? Is it pronounced Gemini or Gemini? Because it's Tom Movian. Yeah, J- Jamie's been asking me the same thing because in the movie they pronounce it Gemini, right? Wait a minute, that I said Gemini. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, I pronounce that it Gemini, but I mean, they're in Texas, so who knows, different dialects, but I would pronounce it Gemini, but because of the NASA history, often I'll refer to them as the Geminis. Well, is that, is that so? Is that documented in history that they actually called it Gemini, not Gemini? Oh, I have no idea. I guess that just all depends on your accent or your dialect. It's just because <laughs> it's you have so many. Maybe maybe it is like a, a Texas thing, and because you have so many Southerners and they're based in Texas, they will all refer to in interviews as Gemini. So it just it slips into my mind often when I'm watching or when I'm watching these documentaries or talking about it afterwards. Uh, it's just the whole time I'm like going, "What the hell are they trying to say here?" But yeah, it's um. It's really interesting because, I mean, I know there's kind of the, like, the controversy in this film and the things that people are talking about is just about the whole American oh, flag yeah. debacle. It's, it's kind of interesting that I haven't read anything about, like, you know, has, has Bar Aldrin commented on this film? Have other astronauts commented on this film? I don't know if it's been out long enough for people to do that. Because, I mean, Buzz Aldrin's very out there in the, um, the media, isn't yeah. he? Like, he's, he's, you know, very publicly out there. So I'm sure this is a movie he'd want to comment on. But, um, yeah, I, I just, it's... It's interesting that, you know, you know a lot more about them in history than I do. But, yeah, you, they do definitely feel very much shafted. And even, like, the whole Apollo 1 situation, which, mm-hmm. you know, I guess kind of ties into the fact that he's losing a lot on the way to achieving this, you know, great thing of being the first person to land on the moon. But even, like, in Apollo 13 with the Apollo 1 mention, it's kind of that whole thing about the hatch, isn't it? And yeah. Kind of how that tied into uh, Jim Lovell's son, you know, when he first finds out that there's been an accident up in space. And the first thing he says is, like, was it the door? Mm-hmm. You know, and just little things like, like that. Whereas this is kind of just like boom, boom, boom. Oh, cool, he's on the moon. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's, you know, and I know that they're meant to be trying to do that emotional impact of him losing all these people, but you do feel it kind of gets lost along the way. There's also weird time jumps that I would feel like, even if you don't know the history, would just seem bizarre. Like when they come back from Gemini 8, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> when they come back from Gemini 8, um, and they have this investigation, like, oh, what went wrong with this? And then they say, uh, oh, okay, so uh, we finished the investigation. And uh, by the way, you're clear. So guess what? You guys get to go to the White House now. And that's like <laughs> a day later. And all of a sudden, the Apollo 1 accident is happening at the same time. Like, there were four other Gemini missions <laughs> that took place. Mm. You skipped a year. And apparently this investigation went on for a year and they just kept giving away missions. It's just the, the weird time jumps. That, that's going to happen with any type of true story movie like this. But, I mean, I think there is some good in this movie, uh, aside from all the 
really boring parts where they're trying to show him talking to people who have no significance in the movie, don't amount to anything, don't do anything, and he doesn't give any reactions. The sequences, not just the space sequences, but even like the opening one when uh, you know he, he's still working as a test pilot, they're shot in this way where it was different than I expected. You're not seeing everything. It's like you see it from his point of view. So sometimes they'll just be cutting back and forth between his face and dials spinning out of control. And somehow that still felt like really exhilarating watching it. Uh, you know, during the, the, the Gemini role, uh, when they were out of control, again, like you could be showing a shot from space, but they choose not to do that. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it at the time because I'm like, I was, this is an IMAX movie. Like we paid to see this on IMAX and nothing's really that big. But then that leads to obviously the, the, the moon landing at the end of the movie, which they shot with IMAX cameras and being able to see this on an IMAX screen where suddenly the picture just becomes like so, so much clearer. And the screen just expands the second that he sets foot on the moon. It looked incredible. So taking the approach of showing you less during some of those thrilling flights and missions he had early on just made the moon landing thing just look that much more incredible. Yeah, and I mean, visually, you can't definitely deny this film is is amazing. And yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I think kind of there's very limited shots of any spacecraft, isn't Mm -hmm. there? Like it's kind of all that point of view stuff. And... um, it just add, does add that sort of realism effect to it and kind of, you know, saying about how it's a different style of movie to obviously Apollo 13. But, yeah, I, I read a lot about the making of this movie that kind of they, they went with the approach that they tried to make everything as realistic as possible. They wanted to rebuild the sets kind of exactly the same as the way the ships were sort of during the 60s and everything like that. And, um, you know, again, this is a movie that I wish I could have seen on IMAX. It sounds – I was reading about that bit too and – I mean, the whole moon landing sequence is nothing short of incredible. I mean, it looks so realistic in 1969 when they faked it. So in uh, <laughs> 2018, when they've recreated it again, they've, they've done very well. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's also like the sound sort of, you know, it's, just, it's almost dead silence, isn't it? Yeah. When the kind of this whole sequence is, and that just adds to it. And I just think that that's just incredible. You know, I mean, Apollo 13 kind of hits you with the, the musical score and kind of, you know, really works with it. But this one's almost got something with the silence that really... Uh, adds to it particularly during that last sequence it it never even occurred to me until you said that that you know apollo 13 it's such an emotional movie and whenever you're dealing with astronauts there's really only the one moment in apollo 13 when they're all blowing up at each other uh where you get emotion out of astronauts because that's kind of their job they're supposed to be you know calm under pressure and the music in apollo 13 was so emotional that it just added so much to the movie the fact that this movie doesn't really have that almost fits Neil Armstrong because this is a movie that's not about a man with any emotions and when I say that I don't want to give the impression like the movie is sort of more than anything about let's look at a guy who is just unlike anybody you've ever seen before he doesn't let things affect him but there's a reason for that I mean there's one scene in the movie which we won't give away where he does break down and it actually happens very early in the movie and from that point on it's just there's nothing there and that's what I still in this movie I found fascinating about Neil Armstrong, even though I don't think it makes for something that needs to be two and a half hours long. It's still interesting to see them kind of try to dissect a guy who is just so calm under pressure. Because what made Neil Armstrong uh, who he was, why he was selected for this, 
were so many of the things we were seeing, you know, he didn't have, like, he wasn't the greatest pilot. They, they addressed that in the opening sequence. Uh, he wasn't even the greatest astronaut. You know, he, he was kind of plagued with these accidents in training and in emissions and everything. And even if they would say, well, it was out of his control, I mean, that's not what's going to give you a lot of confidence. But the reason they said we're giving him the command of the moon landing was because when these things would happen, it wouldn't bother him at all. And they couldn't say that with anybody else. And I was just watching a documentary the other day when they said, you know, they, they picked Neil Armstrong because they needed somebody who was free of an ego. And I think that's the other thing that's just, it's not something you've seen in a movie before. And this is where I would have liked to have seen more of the Buzz Aldrin stuff, because as much as I love Buzz, Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Aldrin took it very personally and he was very, uh, emotional about the fact that he didn't get to set foot on the moon first you know he's the almost the exact opposite of neil armstrong and there's one fun scene where there's a press conference where they kind of show those differences but like every time this movie has something where i'm like it's really interesting to see a guy who doesn't let things get to him and it's really interesting to see the difference between buzz aldrin and neil armstrong i just can't help but think but like but they didn't really ever zone in on any of this stuff so does it work when there's moments of brilliance that you know that if they just focused on that, you would have had a great movie? It's, it's, it's like this movie has an identity crisis. It tried three or four different things and didn't know what it wanted to be. I still look forward to a Michael Collins movie because, I mean, I don't know anything <laughs> about him. And, like, he's just floating up there. He's essentially, you know, just keeping the engine warm while they, you know, fly back up to the uh, spacecraft. But the thing, too, also that... Um, was the one thing that annoyed me the most when I first saw this movie, you know, being released in the trailers and everything, and I still stand by watching this movie, is that Ryan Gosling looks nothing like Neil Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> so where he's just, he just looks bored. He looks so bored <laughs> in, in most of this movie. I don't know if you got on that too. Yeah, and I will say one thing. I mean, he felt like Neil Armstrong when he looked bored because that's kind of the way he was. There are other scenes where they, they maybe play it a little bit too bored like the press conferencing which i like the scene but if you know neil armstrong it's almost like a caricature of a man with no personality in that sequence um i will say i'm not a fan of ryan gosling like you in fact going back before he made it big uh one of my favorite shows growing up was the, the kevin sorbo hercules the legendary journeys tv show and they did a spin-off of young hercules after that and um ryan gosling played young hercules on the show and I just hated him for that reason. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't stand this guy. So for years, as Ryan Gosling became a big deal, and everybody's like, he's such a good actor, I couldn't get over how disappointed I was with him playing Hercules. But now, seeing this movie, I kind of appreciated him more, just because it was an interesting performance, even if it wasn't exciting. So this may be the first time I've seen a Ryan Gosling movie and really been like, I kind of like Ryan Gosling in this. Do we okay. do we want to talk about Claire Foy as his wife? She's the character who gets the most life in this movie. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I reckon we should talk about her. It's another one of these weird things where it's almost like the Buzz Aldrin thing. Maybe it's because Neil Armstrong, like they're basing this on a book where they spend a lot of time researching it with him. So Neil Armstrong, even though he didn't write it, he had involvement in this. You don't really get these relationships. And there's something about even their husband and wife relationship that doesn't click with me because they go from being like completely loving towards each other to having this disconnect, but there's no sequence to lead up to that. It just sort of 
happens. They just drop in where they're constantly bickering. But I think she gets some of the more dramatic scenes in this movie. There's the two. There's the one where uh, after they cut off the communication, she comes back and freaks out. And that's in the trailer when she freaks out on uh, Deke Slayton and uh, the other NASA execs or whatever. And then there's the sequence uh, later on when she's basically saying, you need to talk to your kids before you go on this mission. Those scenes were really great. And I think, again, if you had had the opportunity to uh, have these two characters actually interact a little bit more, uh, and focus more on that, it would have made for a more interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, I think she, she does a very good job with what she's got. It's just, it's, 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 I feel like even when they're together, like you don't even get a sense, like, do these two even love each other? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of just the way they are around each other. I mean, you know, you kind of got to, the, the final scene of the movie, I guess, kind of, you know, signifies that side of things but yeah you, like the whole scene the sequence when she's sort of yeah mentioning to him about talking to the kids before she goes up to the moon is like amazing um and yeah i also like the scene when she kind of confronts the nasa people which is in the trailer sort of when she's just like what did she say like you're just boys trying to do something or yeah. whatever it is whatever that line is in the trailer um but it's just it's just such a i don't know kind of going back to what i was saying like with apollo 13 where you, you, you that relationship between you know, Jim Lovell, and I, I forget the name of the actress who plays his wife in that movie. Um, Kathleen, Quin- the way uh, Kathleen Quinlan? Yeah, that's her. Um, yeah, I don't know. You just feel something a little bit more than that. And I don't know, if, again, if that's just based in reality. Like, Jim Lovell and his wife are a little bit more, you know, happier in life and not so well, sad and depressed. But I, I do I do kind of like her interactions with, like, the, the other astronauts. We kind of have a few scenes, mm-hmm. and they, like, move to Houston, and they kind of, you know the neighborly thing comes by and she drops off the muffins and things like that. You know, I kind of do like that, but I feel like we almost needed a little bit more of kind of what it's like for her and the family because, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's the way they go for a movie nowadays that they're not just going to kind of have the, the, the woman at home pining over the husband while she's off on a mission. You know, they need to make her a bit more of a stronger female character, I guess. But I don't know, like it feels like we almost needed like a little bit more of her at home, if that makes sense. Kind of, Mm-hmm. you know a bit more of what was going on because one thing that's really worse is Apollo 13 like when they're up and they're you know facing all the, the issues in space like we get all those you know sequences of what's happening with the family back home and how they're feeling and everything my theory about why this movie ended up the way it does and why we don't even have scenes like that is it's, uh, the way I explained it to Jamie is it's kind of like the Jaws thing you know Jaws is the greatest shark movie ever made. You're never going to make another shark movie as good as Jaws. So nobody's really ever tried to make a Jaws. If you're doing a movie about sharks, it has to be something completely different, you know? Uh, whether it's the story's different or the tone is different. Uh, that's why most of the shark movies that come out now are more uh, comical or uh, over the top and not really based in reality. And I think Apollo 13, like the way The Godfather is just made, it's like, well, you can never make another Godfather, so any gangster movie has to be completely different. I think Apollo 13 sort of done that. It's like, it's the ultimate. You're never going to top it. So everything we see involving NASA movies now or space stories has to just take a different approach. And what you were saying you were missing, there was a TV show, I think about a year or two years ago, called The Astronauts Wives Club. And uh, it was mm-hmm. eight episodes following all of the astronauts like from Mercury up to Apollo and the wives and how they interacted and what, what would happen when, they, when these missions are going on. What was, uh, you know, Ed White's wife thinking after Apollo 1 or, uh, uh, you know, Marilyn Lovell when Jim's up in Apollo 13. And it was actually a really interesting show, but because you've had 
Apollo 13, you had things like that. If you're going to make a movie like this, you can't try to be Apollo 13, so they just tried to do something different, and I just don't think it all works. Um, but, like, the, the one thing we have to address quickly before we wrap this up is the American flag controversy, like you, uh, you mentioned earlier. Because I think this is the one thing Buzz Aldrin has commented on the movie, and that's we don't see them planning the American flag. Now, when I heard about this before the movie came out, it didn't bother me. Um, because I kind of get the point that the you know, Damien Chazelle, the director, made, which is they didn't want this to be about an achievement of America. Uh, and I sort of interpreted it like, well, this is, it's like his lines. Neil Armstrong said, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Neil Armstrong himself never viewed this as an American thing. It was just, this is a human thing. So to remove the American flag from that, it made sense to me. Having watched the movie now, there is something that feels out of place because we've all seen that footage and this doesn't, without seeing that there, it almost doesn't feel like this is real. But it kind of makes sense more, not just because of the whole Neil Armstrong didn't see himself as an American hero, because this is a movie just about a guy, because we have these flight sequences that are all sort of done from his point of view, and no characters really get development, it's just, it's all about just this guy in his own head. I kind of think it sort of works not having the American flag, because when he was there, it wouldn't be something that Neil Armstrong would have been focused on. But I don't know if you had any opinion on that, or if it stood out not seeing it, if it looked weird to you. I just think the whole thing to me was a whole sequence that maybe could have been done a bit more. It's just, it's like, as a non, we're both non-Americans. So, I mean, to us, you know, it, I guess it doesn't affect us as much as some Americans are going on about it. But like the whole situation and they kind of do show it slightly, but it, I feel you don't get the sense of wonder that the planet felt as a whole watching this mm-hmm. because I'm sure you spoke to your parents or other people who are around at that point about just what it was like when they saw this, you know, massive event in history happen. Mm-hmm. And kind of you see a little bit of it here and there. You kind of see it when they come back to Earth and you kind of see, like, the newspapers and everything along those lines. But to me, just when you hear him utter, you know, the the famous line and everything along those lines, it doesn't feel as, as I don't know, prominent as it should somehow. Yeah. And that's what kind of it felt for me. It wasn't necessarily a flag thing because, I mean, you do see the flag. You just don't see him plant the flag, obviously. Um, so that's, that's the only part to me I would say I felt like maybe it just felt a bit odd. Um, because I always like that scene in sort of, you know, real life movies like this, you know, a sense of what it was like in, in the history at that moment. And, you know, something that I'm sure that, yeah, people of that generation who saw that in 1969, I don't know how they're feeling about it. If they felt they could have portrayed that a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, the flag thing, you know, maybe just as non-Americans, it doesn't really bother us. I think also one thing to point out, even putting aside Neil Armstrong not really viewing it, this as an American thing or him being an American hero, um, just the mistake of this movie not really having a big moment in general. I think the flag would have been that big moment where it's like, we're finally here, this is our accomplishment, we reached our objective. But also, just keep going back to, because this movie is so much in Neil Armstrong's head, Neil Armstrong is the type of guy who would have landed on the moon and be like, all right. I am walking on the moon now. We have T minus two hours and 13 minutes before we leave. He wouldn't be like excited, which is in a way wrong because if you look at footage from him on this mission, he smiles a lot more in news footage 
uh, or even behind the scenes footage than you ever see. I think he smiles once in this entire movie, and it doesn't look authentic. But they, they does just... he though? Does Ryan Gosling ever smile? <laughs> if he does, it's got to be the most awkward looking smile you've ever seen. <laughs> but it's just uh, it was so much when they're on the moon, not even being able to see him react. And as much as I love that they have that. Uh, interesting backwards thing where we see him emotionally react at the beginning of the movie, but not at the end. I think you needed something when they were there to show that like this mattered to him. And they have the one moment, which is, you know, obviously we aren't going to spoil it. We said probably completely made up for the movie, at least from everything I could tell completely made up for the movie. That's just sort of like, this is the climax, but like show us something because they do that. And his visor is down half the time. Like you don't even get to see the guy's face. It's just, it feels Mm. like this is a movie that, you get this incredible sequence that's tense. Are they actually going to land there? Which was true, by the way. Like, they were this close to not actually landing on the moon. And then they get there, and it looks glorious, and it looks incredible. And it's just taking your breath away. The movie just needed, like, something to be like, this is it. This is what the movie's about. And it, it, it lacks that. Which, I mean, yeah, you, you've got to wonder, and I, you probably know this more than I do, and I'm sure, you know, in the few interviews that he's done, you know, post landing on the moon, the sense of achievement that it surely you had to feel something mm-hmm. about it. And you just, you don't get that. And like, I mean, again, keep comparing it to Apollo 13. One of my, like, you know, you talk about sort of being emotional. Like there's always that sequence when they have to, you know, wrap around the moon to kind yeah. of get into the gravity to come back to earth. And you just have that sequence of Jim Lovell just staring at the surface of the moon and kind of, he has that little dream sequence of him walking on the moon. And you just like, you, I just always feel so sad in that movie. Cause I'm like, Oh, you know, he's that close and he can't even walk out on the moon. But yeah, like you just don't get a moment like this in this movie. And again, is that deliberate? Because it's Neil Armstrong, and he didn't really give a rat's ass about it. I don't know. You know, even better than that. I mean, I already mentioned how, like at Apollo thirteen, we're also dealing with astronauts who are completely different types of characters. I mean, nobody was like Neil Armstrong, but they didn't let things get to them as much as you know somebody else would, or panic in these situations. But even before you get to the whole dream sequence of looking on the moon, when Fred and Jack are looking out, they're like, wow, you got to see this. And Jim's not even willing to look out the window. He's like, I've already seen it. Like, it's, he's like, uh, he barely shows emotion, but you could tell it's affecting him. It bothers him that they're only getting to see it and they can't land there. Do something. Like, there, there are better ways to show a, a guy not emotionally affected, but still get emotion out of the audience. But, uh, yeah. Uh, there's, and there's always that one scene when they're like, they finally realize they can't, and he just says, like, we just lost the moon. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> Every time I see it, I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and again, I don't want to be like, well, this movie's not Apollo 13. I mean, it's not trying to be Apollo 13, and I appreciate that. But there are things in Apollo 13 where, where we're picking out not that we want it to be the same movie, but they accomplish the same objective that this movie's trying to do, just doing it slightly differently. And I really want to watch Apollo 13 right now. Let's cover it next week. <laughs> and we, it's so long since I've seen it. I used to watch that movie like every year religiously, but it's been so long since I've watched it. Uh, you kind of gave me a little bit of Mallory's reaction to this movie, but I know Jamie's not a Ryan Gosling fan. Uh, I know Mallory oh, is. Mallory's the complete opposite. Yeah. Uh, was she at all interested in this movie, or was it just sort of like you said, just sort of like, eh, all right, that was okay. Oh, well, I think she was because, I mean, that we saw this on the same day as we saw Johnny English as well. So kind of um, I think she's probably, you know, the trailers and everything look great for this movie. So she was keen to see it. But, I mean, she she didn't like it. She <laughs> kind of, you know, 
sort of was with me when we left and was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And I kind of mentioned, I think, yesterday, like, oh, you know, I think I've appreciated a little bit more the more I think about it now. And Melanie's like, oh, no, it's the opposite. I just, you know, I didn't like it. Hmm. And, you know, we've, we've seen three movies this week. You know, we saw A Star is Born as well. So kind of I think this is by far her least favourite of the three that we've seen this week. So, um, but I, even, like, I didn't get any mention throughout this movie of her tapping me on the shoulder and, oh, he's so attractive or anything <laughs> like that. So, like, I, I don't know. She just might have even been bored of all boring face gosling for yeah. this film. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Jamie's reaction was interesting, too, because I mean, I've mentioned it many times on here that Jamie will be enjoying a movie and still fall asleep. Almost guaranteed. Every movie we see, she'll fall. John Wick, Keanu Reeves, that's her, Ryan Gosling. Uh, and John Wick's a movie that, like, I'm obsessed with, but Jamie's just equally obsessed with John Wick as well. J- Jamie fell asleep for 15 minutes in John Wick, and she loves that movie. She fell asleep oh. during The Force Awakens during the most important part three times. Uh, but with this movie, it was different because I kept looking over at her, and her eyes were closed. And I was nudging her, thinking she was asleep. She goes, no, I'm awake. Like, she just chose not to watch half of this movie. And she was trying not to be rude about it because she knew that I was so excited about this movie and I love this stuff. And, uh, you know, this was like our one opportunity we could actually get out of the house. We got a babysitter. Uh, and then at one point in the movie, she was sort of like, I just feel like this is dragging so long. Like, like can we get to something interesting all of a sudden? She wasn't even complaining. It was just nothing clicked about this movie with her. And I think she, she even walked out of the saying, I really like that astronaut wife show. And obviously this is <laughs> on a technical level much better than the astronaut wives club. But yeah, it's obviously it, it didn't please um, the, the female demographic of our hosts either. Well, 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 I think at the end of the day, Ryan Gosling wasn't shirtless in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> she goes and sees A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper shirtless for about a quarter of the movie. So, you know, she'll... And, you, and it's also for men, too. You get to see Lady Gaga naked, too. So, look, you know, it's 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 all genders are covered in A Star is Born. You know, now that, that you've said Bradley Cooper is shirtless for, like, half the movie, now Jamie, if she listens to this, is going to drag me to see A Star is Born. <laughs> Well, and I think too, because like Mallory wasn't exactly a huge Bradley Cooper fan, but I think she's become a bit of a Bradley Cooper fan after A Star Is Born. So you know, yeah. Even look, I, I was a Bradley Cooper fan before A Star Is Born. I'm even more of a Bradley Cooper fan after A Star Is Born. So because you know. he's shirtless. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> any anyone looks that good without his shirt on, any any gender's going to appreciate that. Um, I have no real comment to make on this, but like, uh, I just want to say Deke Slayton, who's the, the guy who's in charge of all the astronauts, he's been played in every single movie because he's the most important person to never land on the moon. He's played by Kyle Chandler <laughs> in this movie, who may be the greatest actor uh, alive. I would go as far as to say he's possibly one of the greatest actors alive. He was on the TV show Friday Night Lights, Bloodline. Uh, he's been in tons of movies. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. He had the one interesting sequence. He was the FBI agent there. I just love Ryan. Uh, uh, Ryan. I was going to call him Ryan Chandler. <laughs> Kyle Chandler. Uh, disappointed that he didn't get much to do in this movie, but uh, he can make uh, he, he can make even the, the least important character with no scenes worthwhile. So uh, I'll go see Kyle Chandler when he does A Star is Born. How about that? Sure. Uh, is he playing the role by Lady Gaga? Or of Bradley course, Cooper? yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Brad- Bradley Cooper and Kyle Chandler in A Star is Born 2. <laughs> hey, it's a modern movie. You know? Why, it surprises me that it wasn't that way in the first place, so you never know. Uh, just getting to our ratings here. I'm kind of with you that there's a lot of things I appreciated more about this movie after the fact. Uh, I think for the most part, this is definitely going to be a movie I probably will buy one day uh, just so that I can watch those exciting scenes, <laughs> the space stuff. Uh, 
uh, and maybe a few other scenes in between. But I don't know if this is the type of movie that I would ever really sit down and watch start to finish again. I think I would just skip a lot of stuff and watch the good stuff. But the good stuff that's in there, I enjoy it enough where it's like, I'm not going to bin this movie. I'm, I'm going to rent it. But I'm really sort of caught in the middle because there are things that I appreciate about this movie, even though I didn't enjoy. And there are things that I enjoy about this movie, even though I didn't appreciate. Yeah, I think I agree with it completely. I mean, I kind of walked out of this thinking it would be a low rent. I've kind of put it maybe to a low to mid rent right about now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's something that I'd probably own, but it's not something I'm going to rush out and want to watch again from start to finish anytime soon. So maybe in a few years, it'll be one of these ones where it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'll give that another go now. But um, you know, I'm, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. I think it's a it's a movie that was, you know, it needed to be seen. I yeah. think we, I would have kicked myself if I had not seen this. But um, now that I have, it's kind of like, you know, eh, okay, cool. Let's go just watch Apollo 13 again. When you, are we going to get an Apollo 12 movie? What happened on Apollo 12? I feel like we've got Apollo 11, you know, Apollo 13. <laughs> if you want personality, Pete Conrad, who uh, was the third man on the moon, uh he is the exact opposite of Neil Armstrong. He could have very easily been a stand-up comedian. And if uh, you've never actually seen like interview footage of Pete Conrad, what you saw in Apollo 13, he's the guy when uh, they're getting ready to watch the moon landing. He says, I want to thank everybody for coming to uh, the dress rehearsal for my Apollo 12 landing. He even has some type of line where, where just the polar opposite of Neil Armstrong, when he set foot on the moon, he kind of jumped down. And he's like, whoopee! Like, that's the type of guy Pete Conrad was. If they made an Apollo 12 movie, it would be great. And I don't know if you ever saw the From the Earth to the Moon miniseries. No, I want to, though. I, I was reading a lot about that last night, actually. Oh, I put it on it. The Apollo 12 episode of that is just so much fun and it's hilarious because you have the most personality following the least personality so i'm all for apollo 12 the movie or third man as we're calling it in the uh neil armstrong nasa cinematic universe hey i can't wait to the you know the the avengers version of um the apollo one where all of them come together and land on the moon at the same time and uh (laughs) You know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're off to Mars. Um, you know, setting it up for that that sequel trilogy, quadrilogy, whatever you want to call it. And you can guarantee Jeremy Renner will also not be in that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or if he is, you won't remember him. So he was. What was he? We were flicking channels the other night, and um, I didn't even know they'd made some movie on Hansel and Gretel, oh. and he was in it. And I'm like, oh, poor Jeremy Renner trying to be in a new franchise that no one even realised exists. <laughs> We saw the movie. I have that movie on 3D Blu-ray. I actually kind of am a fan of that movie. It's fun. Hey, Jansen's in it too, isn't she? And it was just kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. You <laughs> what, got a what is going on? Double Bond Girl, because you got uh, the one who played Strawberry Fields in Quantum of Solace, my favorite. Oh, yes, because everyone remembers people in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> Everybody although should I, remember Strawberry will... Fields. Well, uh, well, I will say, when we eventually do our Johnny English one, which hopefully will be very soon, um, what's her name who was in Quantum of Solace is actually better in Johnny English 3 than she was in Quantum of Solace. I was wondering so, about that. We get <laughs> yes, the second better. Johnny English movie in a row with a Bond girl as a Johnny English girl. That's pretty cool. And they're both from two movies that are generally uh, hated <laughs> by James Bond fans. So there you go. <laughs> so what's coming first? Are you going to be doing reviews for Johnny English and Stars Born? Yeah, I think we're going to record them on the same day, so we'll probably release Johnny English first, just because that's been out a little bit longer, even, I mean, on this side of the world, obviously mm-hmm. in your side of the world, it's just about to come out, but um, I, I feel as though A Star is Born will probably talk a little bit longer, and uh, um, I mean, that's obviously the one that I think a lot of people are 
talking about at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's getting very good reviews. The soundtrack's doing very well, and uh, I think every man and his dog is seeing it right now. So, yeah, I, I both will be coming very soon, probably within the next seven days or so. And obviously, the well, Hitman Rhapsody's around the corner too, isn't it? That's only about a week or so away, so I'm looking forward to that. Right now, we're just listing every movie that we're going to get to before we finish anniversary month. So you're depressing me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I've moved to a different country and, <laughs> and kind of moving from one side of that country to another. But yes, yeah, so it's coming soon, people. Just we will you know, I'm on a ferry right now. <laughs> this is like it's unique in the, what we're doing. In this podcast. That's the first time we've mentioned that you're actually on a boat right now, which we probably should have said at the <laughs> beginning, because right now it just sounds like you, your standards for recording has just dropped down considerably. <laughs> yeah, New, Ze- New Zealand internet's not the best. No, it's, um, yeah, I'm literally on a boat in the middle of the two islands uh, of New Zealand. So, um, yes, that's, that's where I am. I am being a first man <laughs> to, I don't know, not really. I was trying to think of something funny there, but it didn't work. Moving on. Uh, we do have something in the meantime, though. We started it uh, last week. We did the um, Halloween uh, episodes that we're doing. Not a full month, but three weeks worth. Although I'm kind of sad because you just gave me the idea. I would have loved to have done Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters as our fourth one. But uh, last week we did the Adams Family. We just did the Home Improvement, two Home Improvement Halloween episodes. And so uh, by the end of this week, by the time you're listening to this, uh, we will have our final one uh, in the lead up to Halloween, which is going to be Hocus Pocus. And we may even apparently be getting both Jared and Jamie on that episode as well. So it's going to be a full house. I didn't realize Jared was such a uh, Hocus Pocus fan. I'm looking forward to hearing him <laughs> talk about Bette Midler. I've always been a lifelong fantasy. You might have to hear him talk about Bette Midler. And I'm going to have to talk about it, which is the real sad thing, because I'm not looking forward to that episode. Other than that, we got your regular third watch, and what's the other show you do? Nip Tuck. Nip Tuck. Nip Tuck. <laughs> which, through the magic of podcasting, have decent quality with decent connections and no fairies in the background. It's amazing. It's a great trick. Yes. It's it's all the um the, the hobbits and everything in New Zealand that are just, you know, against us as we go between the two islands. The magic yeah, of Middle Earth like. is blessing your recordings of other shows. Yes, Middle Earth. <laughs> Uh, I'm in Middle Islands of Middle Earth right now. <laughs> so look forward to all those episodes and then eventually the return of Anniversary Month as we're going to get to the uh, 25th anniversary of The Last Action Hero and the uh, 30th anniversary, or, wait, 20th anniversary of Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Or uh, if Ben continues to move, we'll be bringing you the 26th anniversary of Last Action Hero and the 21st anniversary of Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. So stay tuned for those episodes. As always, yeah. <laughs> make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever else you can find us. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. And my name is Colin, and this is the end of First Man Review. And my name is Ben, and I'm pulling my best friend off my face right now. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.